Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today's episode is a fun one. We're talking about threat assessment. Threat assessment. The assessment of threats. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a sound effect, but I couldn't come up with one. I feel like it's like a, a shield getting hit by a sword or something. I don't know. Uh, Although, I, I was don't know, thinking that's, like that's a high-tech computer. It was like, like the you know when you go to the Terminator's POV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, school teacher. And it sort of like doesn't worry about that. And then it's like, oh, no, <laughs> I see a weapon. That guy's got a weapon. Danger, danger, danger. And then yeah. You, yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. I see Kiki-Jiki on the table. <laughs> and yeah, the whole the whole HUD turns red. We found the sound effect, everybody. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of beeps that's and boops. clearly the, yeah, it's like a telemetry satellite, actually. This is not an endorsement to see that movie, by the way, because it looks terrible. <laughs> anyway, uh, to get back on track, we also have a very special guest today. We have Graham from Loading Ready Run on the podcast. Hey, Graham, how's it going? Hey, it's going very well. How are you both? Great. And finally, we have someone on the podcast that's also from the West Coast, which is great. We don't yeah. have to do oh. some crazy time switches. Time zone. This is actually the first podcast I have ever guest appeared on that has been in my own time zone. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I know the sun just said it's like a little after 8 30 we can all go to bed at a reasonable hour so very glad that happened I'm actually gonna go draft right after this <laughs> oh really nice what are you drafting we're drafting uh dragon's fate or dragon's dragon's fate it's a friend of mine had some store credit left and it was my birthday on Saturday so he was like well you know what I'm gonna do it's draft time <laughs> nice happy birthday yeah thanks and you got a, a full draft set out of it clearly I uh, I hope so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of the, uh, you know, it has to be the, the, the continuation since your birthday was so recently. How do exactly. you like that format, by the way? There's been mixed opinions about it. I like it. I well, I think I need to go back and try triple cons again, because I think I like triple cons a little better. But I like this better than fate cons cons. I like, 100% agree. Cause yeah, fate cons cons was a mess. Fate cons cons was not great, but triple cons was... I thought awesome. I did, loved it. Did you open the bomb rare Y slash N? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it was just yeah. It, that that makes it less fun really because And it's also like it's out of the first pack. So. Yeah, exactly. I think also like the commons were so bad in fate that like what you mm-hmm. ended up doing was getting like three playables and then 
most of the rest of that stuff didn't make your deck, which just doesn't feel that fun, especially in the first pack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It always felt kind of panicky after the first pack where you're like, I I might have one really good card and then two or three other playables and everything. Like, I need 18 more cards to fill out my deck here. (laughs) It's way more secure from the other side when you have a deck and you're like, oh, look at this convenient card I can bring in that just makes it a little better instead of having to base your deck off of that. Instead, the pack is like, can I interest you in a variety of rune marks? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. There's always like three rune marks at the end of every pack, and you're like, I guess I'll take I'm, a blue I'm one. I'm going to call those cards rune marks from now on. It's, if it's just a worthless enchantment that adds some power toughness and a keyword. No matter what set it no is. No matter what, because it happens in every set. It looks like you, there's actually quite a few of them in uh, Origins. Yeah. Actually, some of them say draw a card, which makes me excited. Actually, uh, I, think if, I think if you're going for sort of like, if you're looking to codify that kind of card in the same way that like a piker is a two one for two or a bear is a two two mm-hmm. for two. If you're looking to codify that, I think honestly clue stone would be a better thing oh, than Cluestone. rune mark. Because yeah. the, the clue stones in Dragon's Maze, there was ten of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were so many and you were like, this is not this is not a key rune. No. <laughs> the key runes were good. This is fine. Yeah, it's like what it's like those mana rocks you got as well. Like the banners. Yeah, the banners or, yeah. versus. Yeah. Um, we should say, because we didn't even talk about it, so lo- loading ready run. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, we should go into what that is in case people, I'm sure most people do know who Graham is, but um, do you want to explain what loading ready run is for those few listeners who may not know Graham? I've been trying to figure out what loading ready run is for, <laughs> for 10 years now. Um, we started Good. in uh, 2003 uh, doing sketch comedy. And since then, we have sort of grown into uh, a video production house. Depending on who I'm talking to, I'll say like, oh, we're a, we're a video production company. Or I'll be like, we're streamers and YouTubers. It depends entirely mm-hmm. on, on the, on the, the audience. But yeah, yeah. relating to magic, we produce the show Friday Nights, which is uh, basically a sitcom I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. about our playgroup playing magic. We produce that for Wizards of the Coast. We do our own podcast, which you should also check out, called Tap Tap Concede, which is a casual magic podcast um, because we are a bunch of filthy casuals. <laughs> and... Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. We're all taking that foil goif. That's oh, yeah. the end of the story. <laughs> and, uh, and we stream. We stream uh, magic every Thursday on uh, twitch.tv slash loadingreadyrun. Uh, and and you guys also stuff. do draft videos, right? Yeah, we do. We do draft videos for MTGO Academy every two weeks. Um, and I used to do some on my own, but I haven't had time recently because we make a lot of things. You so. guys have a ton of stuff on there. If you go to yeah. their YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash loading ready run, uh, you'll see they've got a ton of different sketch comedy sort of series. Like you guys yeah. have multiple series. Um, yeah. They're not even all about magic, which is, I think, great because, um, you know, you can go there and watch the magic stuff, but it also introduces you to like, other just cool things where mm-hmm. it's not so like narrow and yeah. someone's streaming uh for you right now right are they playing civilization i kind of caught like the tail end of it yeah uh cam is playing uh because we're recording on wednesday evenings and it's mm-hmm. uh cameron's time slot he's playing civ 5 sometimes cameron will play stuff like well he'll sometimes he'll play magic as well but he'll play stuff like XCOM or dark, oh, nice i love that game dark souls or something he, he tends to play strategy games on the hardest possible difficulty settings because oh jeez i love that because yeah. he hates himself i think and uh <laughs> yeah we have appreciates a challenge we do we do the we do magic every every thursday but we have our we sort of run our twitch channel like a tv station basically and everybody in the crew has their own show and they do their own their own games and their own their own style of program so i really feel like we have something for 
Something for everybody over there. At Something for everyone. <laughs> yeah, so TV. make sure you guys also check them out on Twitch. I've been watching so much Twitch recently, and I love seeing you or James pop into the chat of someone, some other channel and just saying some stuff. I'm like, whoa, nice. Nice to <laughs> see you guys here, too. I will say, too, that um, your draft videos... I don't know if pe- if people aren't familiar. Like a lot of times, you guys do sort of stipulation drafts or oh, yeah. sort of crazy draft. If you don't know what a stipulation draft is, you guys will say, "I don't know." I remember watching one once where you're like, "Wacky stipulations." You had to draft whoever had the coolest hat on. Yeah, that <laughs> like was whatever that card was had the our, coolest hat. That was one of our earliest, most famous ones. It was during it was during Innistrad block. We had to pick the card <laughs> with the best hat. There are a lot of hats in that set too. Innistrad right? had a strong hat meta. <laughs> It was really good. Though we oh, they, we did find ourselves in the situation of having to take a um oh what I can't even remember the name of the card. I'll have to look it up. It's the card, it's like a single black. It gives the creature undying. Um it's like a guy coming through like a trap door in the floor and there was literally nothing else in the pack and we're like, I guess <laughs> this guy is wearing the trap door as a hat. <laughs> It's amazing what you notice when you start looking at the cards, though. There's um, Saving Grasp, the single blue mana to bounce a creature to your hand, and then you can flash it back for a single white. Mm -hmm. And it's the guy falling off the cliff. And in the background, his hat is flying away, and we're like, there's a hat! That's amazing. (laughs) What was the best card that had a hat that you were happy to pick? Oh, geez, that's tough. There's so many. It was really... It was was actually a pretty good deck. There's some, some just fantastic... Like big tricorn, ridiculous looking hats. In, <laughs> I thought you were gonna just say good in cards blog. in there, but you said tricorn instead. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Look, I'm just uh, saying the hats were very strong. Yeah, indeed. Um, that's great too. I, I know people that build EDH decks like that. I mean, we saw a couple when we were in Vegas, just stipulation as to what cards you can have. In oh, there, yeah, for always, sure. Always very cool stuff. In fact, we're gonna talk about your deck mm-hmm. oh, yeah. later, Graham, which this is the first time we're gonna talk about a deck that. The, that has been withheld from us. So <laughs> Graham, Graham didn't want us to see it before we started talking about it because he wanted us to be surprised. So we're going to be learning about it just along with the listeners here. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, that's actually really fun for us because normally we've broken it down and we know every piece. So we're going to be uh, more like an audience member on this. I, wanted, I, wanted, I wanted you to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you allowing me that on, on, on your show that you oh, allowed no, me cr- to surprise you. Yes, it's going to be great. It's going to be like playing it for the first time. The card, by the way, was called Undying Evil. I had to look it up. Uh, Undying Undying Evil. Evil. Man, I wouldn't have known the name of that one because I never, ever played it. We'll just call him Trapdoor Hat. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's all that matters in this case. So, Graham, do you want to talk about your experience with EDH? Um, Do you guys play a lot of EDH, first of all? Yeah, I mean, we don't actually get around to playing as much of it as we'd like to, but I guess that could be true for anything. It was one of the earliest Mm. formats that we sort of learned about, and we loved the idea. Once we realized that our local metagame here in Victoria was very, very competitive when it came to standard, we Mm -hmm. were the idea of a casual, less competitive format really appealed to us and the way that we like to play. Uh, That said, we've had games of commander last for hours and hours and hours and hours Um, (laughs) haven't we all yep (laughs) and you know we've had to do do you like your non-competitive spirit now (laughs) yeah we've had to do the sort of the self-policing like well i'm not gonna play against your deck anymore because (laughs) it's not fun um that took a little too long yeah yeah but uh yeah it's something that we all certainly enjoy well i say we all certainly enjoy i mean at, at one time or another everybody in the crew has had a commander deck at present, um, it's not something that 
Cam and Alex are as much into because Alex is really big into Highlander, which is a really Victoria great movie specific. <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, just the first one, though. Yeah, it's a format that's played like in Victoria, BC, where we're from, and uh, Melbourne, Australia, and Germany. Um, we actually wow. just did an episode on it. Um, it's it's a hundred card singleton format that's like Commander, except it's basically just like. It's like playing vintage. It's played heads up. It's not multiplayer. It's a very, very different thing. It's su- super, super competitive. Commander, mm, we have a we have a group in LA that plays Highlander Roulette, but mm-hmm. theirs is it's not like vintage. Right. They only allow cards that have ever been uh, available a in a printing. foil printing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's a hundred cards. Yeah, um, singleton, and it's There's one, no one commanders, one. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Commander is much more my kind of speed because I like being able to have fun with with the decks the once i found out about the format i just went oh okay cool um what's the color combination i like uh, i like green white let's look for commanders that are green white who's this guy reese the redeemed he seems fun okay he's <laughs> he's my commander um now let's just look at gatherer for every card that is green and white <laughs> <laughs> that's let's a good put, start let's put all of those into the deck that deck is still pretty cool, actually. I have yeah. I have won many games with that deck, with my life total being at like 150. <laughs> that nice. commander is single-handedly one of the most powerful as well. Just playing Selesnya Guildmage and Modern Masters. You just have a lot of mana and Reese. Reese. Yeah. <laughs> if you just have a lot of mana and Reese, you can win. Like, yeah. I didn't know that at the time. This is uh, Kathleen came into a similar problem where she's like, well, I want to make a tribal commander deck. What's a what's a cool tribe? What what colors do I like? Ooh, I know. Um, uh, blue and black. Uh, I'll do a fairies deck. This will be perfect. I'll do. <laughs> I'll get Una and I'll make. I'll do a bunch of fairies and then she builds the deck and it, and then someone who had been playing for years sort of comes up and is like, you realize that this is a known, disgustingly powerful archetype, right? Yeah. yeah. Una is like one of the more powerful <laughs> commanders. <laughs> yeah, that was not known when we built the deck, but uh, woof, it's real strong. Well, it's one of the fun things about the format too, which is that you can build the super powerful mean version of Una, or mm-hmm. you can build the version of Una that's like, you know, you just have cards you like that are in those colors in there, and, and that's and totally fine, too. they all happen to be extraordinarily yeah. mean, because it's blue-black. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to be. I'm just yeah, saying, like, you know, you can see the same commander from different people, and, and it's not like it's not like modern or standard, where you see a couple cards and you know most of the deck already. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, okay, so, we'll, well, let's get into our main topic here, which it, we're calling threat assessment. It's a topic we've been asked about a lot. Mm. We're going to cover it here, sort of. Just we're just going to touch on it here. Um, this happens also in just in the game more than almost any other sort of political thing that happens is the idea of threat assessment happens from the first game you play to the very last. Yeah, and I think it's really complicated in EDH too. It's it's more complicated than in other forms of Magic mm-hmm. because well, you're, it's the Wild West. You got so many people staring you down. Well, right. You're not just it's not just a threat assessment as far as the stuff on the table. It's also which player is the threat. Whereas in 1v1, you already know that. Yeah. It's just the person across from you. And now it's like, I have a hero's downfall. Do I want to use it? And if so, on what that that they have? Now all of a sudden, you're like, I have a hero's downfall. Do I want to use it on Jimmy or Craig or Alex? And which of their threats? And when and how am I going to do it? (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of times, you don't even want to use it at all because it's like, well, Alex already is fighting Jimmy, so I don't want to get involved in that. Mm -hmm. And Craig doesn't seem to be mad at me right now, so why would I even use this thing? So there's all this other thought process that goes into it in Commander that's above and beyond what you would, you know, the complexity that you'd have in a 1v1 game. 
So really, in this show, this podcast dedicated to celebrating the Commander format, you're dealing with here the literal worst thing about Commander. <laughs> it's the thing that we get asked about a ton, right? Which is... Oh, yeah, it's so true. I think because it's really frustrating, too, to other players to watch other players... Do it incorrectly. Quote, unquote, incorrectly, yeah, exactly. you know. The, from, yeah. their, from their eyes. The, yeah. problem, the problem that we encounter is this notion that because Commander is a fun, casual format that you're supposed to be enjoying playing with friends that you can't you can't crush somebody basically i've i've had to 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 avoid games of commander lasting hours and hours i have had to be like i'm deciding that i'm going to defeat this player because they are the weakest and it will make the game end more quickly because too many times we've been like, oh, so and so's kind of hampered on land, so we're just going to sort of ignore them, and then they win. <laughs> they always win. They always yeah. do. Yeah, they, always they, win. It's just like, hey, guess what? Your hand has three lands and four cards. They have seven cards and zero lands. Like, who do you want going into the late game? Well, that's another decision you never have to make in a one-on-one game, mm-hmm. where it's like, do I finish off this person that's sort of limping around over there, or like, do no, I you- take on this? person who's becoming a monster yeah and like if you in attack, front of my eyes it's not just is it worth it for me to attack player a it's is it worth it enough for me to attack player a and leave myself open to player b yeah mm. and maybe c and d too. yeah exactly yeah. like obviously when i attack player a they are now out for my blood but there's other players here and it just the whole concept of threat threat assessment in commander is is I can see why you get asked about it a lot. Yeah, I think the biggest gripe really is that idea, though, where it's like, you know, hey, I'm going to leave myself open to swing at player B, and the crackback I know is guaranteed from one person, but hopefully someone else doesn't see me doing something and being like, well, that means I should attack him now. Look, he's limping around too after this battle. It's like, oh, boy. There's just so much. There's so much stuff that can go wrong as soon as you're the first person to take action, and everyone's always yelling at everyone else to take action. Like you go first. You That's go why first. everybody wants to, yeah, to push somebody else to be doing the thing because it takes care of the problem, but you didn't actually have to open yourself up to any retaliation if somebody mm-hmm. else did it. Yeah, it's it's so interwoven with the politics of EDH. I think people separate them. They're not super separate because part of threat assessment and why people get mad they're like why don't you kill that thing instead of this thing and it's like well because politically yeah you know if i kill that consecrated sphinx jimmy now is going to come after me whereas i'm already fighting you so i don't want two enemies so yeah consecrated sphinx is powerful but i have no chance to win 2v1 so also he has six more cards than i do i don't want to go against him anytime that's another thing i see all the time uh at the table which is like People want to attack the person in the best position, so they go, "Well, you look like you're the most powerful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after you." And it's like, that's crazy. If you're, let's say, you were in prison, and (laughs) for I don't know why, all us magic players, yeah. Okay, let's say you were in a cage match. (laughs) You know, one of those, one of those old style like WWE cage matches. A cage match in prison. (laughs) Okay, yes, I like this. Okay, this is getting even better. This is even better. Yeah, and there's three other guys. And you're going to square off and, it, you know, it's the last man standing. You're not going to just go up and hit the biggest guy, <laughs> you know. You're probably going to go after the guy that looks like you might be able to take on. So, yeah. you know, when people attack the person that's in the best position, sometimes I'm like, well, that's kind of questionable. I, I wouldn't kick the giant in the toe necessarily. Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, let's go. Let's talk about some factors 
that you think about when you're determining who to attack, Graham. Now, you said just to end the game sometimes, and I think that's a perfectly reasonable, like, mm -hmm. re reasonable reason. Yeah, it's a very reasonable reason. Well, it's, it's as reasonable as it gets. We get, we get cuts, we get so caught up in, like, well, I want to be fair, and I attacked you last turn, so this turn I'm going to attack this other person. Mm -hmm. And then it just, no one's willing to... Like, everyone's like, well, we, we're all playing a competitive game, and we all know that we'll have to start attacking people eventually, so I'm, my hands are sort of tied, but I don't really want to be attacking anybody. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is, we'll be here all week. <laughs> Someone's got to attack somebody someday, so let's start the process wherein we can get lunch eventually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it feels like uh, you're actually being mean when you attack somebody but by ending the game faster you might be able to play a couple more games yeah which is actually being nice when you think about it yeah i think i think the idea that you are quote unquote being mean in a game where your job is to be the last person standing should i, mean, I think people take that like one step too far sometimes where it's like well i'm just not going to attack anyone and it's going to be okay and we'll talk about well, that's one of the factors of threat assessment as well is the pillow for it yeah um, well what do you i mean jimmy what do you sort of calculate when you're deciding who to attack or who do... It's not even just attack. Sometimes yeah. it's just make a move against. Make a move against or, or maybe even just pay more attention to. Because uh -huh. I, the, one of the big things I found is good threat assessment means that you have a general like awareness of everything that's happening around the table, but you are focusing on the important things. So if someone just has like two things out that don't do anything synergistically with, with each other, you know the deck, you know that it's going to take a while for them to do something. You don't look at that. You look at the guy, for instance, in the beginning of the game that has... Uh, three mana dorks out that mm -hmm. has a fate stitcher and that has just put out a guild of lists and turn three and you look at them and you go okay that person because of ramp specifically is the bigger threat at the table because they are holding a lot more power in terms of how much mana they can generate that's one of the first things i look at in the early game now that changes drastically as soon as the game really starts going and everyone has access to like 10 lands and if as soon as everyone's at like cast insurrection status ramp isn't as important yeah, I think that's a fair. Unless uh, they have a way to abuse it, like a Comet Storm or whatever. Mm -hmm. Ram, is there anything you look for when you're just looking around the table and trying to decide, like, sort of who to go after or, or who to make a move against? I can't think of anything general. I just know from, again, personal experience in our own playgroup, Matt tried to play a Sliver deck once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just stop right there. <laughs> once. And yeah, it, I mean, he played it. He tried to play it more than once, but it was always like, why do you guys keep killing all my stuff? And we're like, dude. They're if, all lords. If, if, <laughs> they if all... we don't, you'll win the game. We have to kill them before you get Crystalline Sliver down or we're all effed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think knowledge of your opponent's deck is a really big thing. Mm -hmm. So if you play in a playgroup and you're playing with the same people and, and the same decks all the time, then that's, you know, that's part of playing the meta. But it's knowing like, uh-oh, this card hit the table. Well, I mean, just if, look at, yeah, like you said, look at their commander. If their commander is Sliver yep. Queen, well... <laughs> that might be the first deck you need, or at least you need yeah. to keep them under control constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's the whole judge a book by its cover thing. And like like we said, I mean, Kathleen playing an Una deck as like, originally it may have started very weak, but it doesn't matter. Like to someone that just sits down and only sees that and doesn't have prior knowledge of the person, because you can't really expect everyone you play against to have that, the commander is definitely one of the top threat assessment things. You just go straight into it. It's oh, like, okay... Who's going to kill me the easiest based on my commander and theirs? Oh, the Una deck was never weak. <laughs> we, we, just, just a, we just didn't know. She was just like, these all seem like good cards. And then we started playing with it and we're like, oh, this is, this is brutal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, 
Well, another thing I would say is a lot of times there's a commander that like straight up counters your commander or your deck. So yeah. let's say you're playing Anafenza and I'm playing Carador. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to just come after you as hard as I can because I can't win the game against yeah. your deck really. Or find a way to establish some kind of like, look, give me a couple, don't just play it out, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you're right. Like the there are a lot of commanders that do that too, which is really fun. Yeah. It, either in different colors or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of times you know my deck's really weak to tokens. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls and Graham comes and sits down and he flips over Reese and you're like, okay, my, I have like, I can't beat a token strategy. So my only chance is to sort of get you out of the game fast yeah. or early. And so sometimes that'll force your hand. Well, there's a, it's interesting, too, because threat assessment is also something that doesn't force your hand, if that makes sense, where you may draw a board wipe early, and you know that that's one of your three outs in the deck against a token deck once it gets going crazily, so you know that you have to hold on to it. So instead of playing your hand out, you know that this card is more important than it is in any normal matchup because of your threat assessment of whoever's on the table. And even related to that, it's it also makes the token deck something you... I mean, there's always counter spells, but you don't need to worry about it. You're just sort of like, okay, the token deck can do its thing and maybe hit me a couple times, but eventually I'll slam this Wrath and then they'll have nothing. Right. Yeah, right. and that's a really good position to be in too because you don't know that the token deck's even going to come after you first. Mm-hmm. And the best position to, position to be in is a position where like, he made a million tokens and then he attacked Jimmy with them. <laughs> this is great. This yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't split his million tokens up across all three, but I'll take it. Uh, one piece of information that I see people continuously overlook is just the amount of cards someone has in their hand. Oh, yeah. You know, I feel like people don't give enough weight in general to, like, the guy that's got, you know, 12, 14, 20 cards. Yeah. And a lot of times his board won't look super impressive, but he's just holding a grip of cards. And it's like, that guy's the problem. You know, and unless he's mana screwed, womp womp. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. And if he's mana <laughs> he's screwed, you got to do what Graham said, which is get him out now before yeah. he can cast all twenty of those cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Oh, pillow fort is something we wrote down on the art on the um, the outline, and this is really interesting because this is kind of similar to being mana screwed. It, except you're in a better position. It's orchestrated, it's right? It's orchestrated, yeah. yeah. You put this pillow fort up, and everyone's like, "Well, I'm just going to bounce off of him. I don't want to pay extra mana to attack through his whatever." And so you're like, oh, sweet, excellent. And you get to build up your hand and not play stuff out as quickly. And you get to put, I mean, it, sometimes the most dangerous person is the person that no one's attacking for good reason. Yeah, I think most of the time, if everybody else is attacking each other and there's one guy and he's sitting there behind a propaganda, yeah, that's well, probably the guy that's going to win the game. Because if everybody else is fighting each other... Oh, it makes his or her life just way easier. <laughs> yeah, and if clearly their deck is built to take advantage of it. Otherwise, why'd they put propaganda in their deck? So, yeah. Those cards are so powerful because they don't stop them from attacking each other. They just stop them from attacking you. Yeah, pretty much. Do you have any Pillow Fort players in your group or people that just love propaganda? Because I see Josh play that card almost every game, I swear. (laughs) That or Ghostly Prison. (laughs) Yeah, they're both amazing. No, we, we did a we did an episode of Friday Nights about us playing Commander, and in the episode we scripted Jer to have a um a Feldegriff deck. It was like mm-hmm. a like oh, a yes. group hug pillow fort kind of thing, and people were like, "Oh man, I want the deck list for that." And it it wasn't a real deck, but then we for for the DVD we did, uh, uh, like he actually made a deck, and we we did like a <laughs> we did like a deck tech for it. Um, and it's like, yeah, I'm I'm totally up for uh, letting you draw me a bunch of cards, but then when I have to kill you, now I don't know what to do. <laughs> I tell you though, I have stolen more games of Commander f- with uh, Fracturing Gust in that Reese deck. Uh, that card is real. 
What does it do? It's it's um it casts for green and white mana. It's um it was actually just reprinted in the uh Wrath um in, Oh, you're right. In the, this in card the from is the vault. Yeah. Insane. So it's uh two colorless and three hybrid green white mana for an instant, which is extra fun, destroy all artifacts and enchantments and you gain two life for each permanent destroyed this way. Yeah. Oh yeah, that card is good. That is a house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, I was just like, oh, this seems like it would be cool to put in my first commander deck because it's green and white, so I'll put it in this deck. <laughs> uh, and then while playing various games, I was sort of like, oh, this card just wins me this game now. Yeah, you gain like 40 life off of it because everyone's just low. I mean, there's one thing I don't think people realize, and this is because people take their artifacts and slide them down to their lands once they become just mana producers. It's like you don't realize yeah. that guy has like three mana rocks or whatever, but artifacts always crowd the table without you realizing it. And every mm-hmm. deck's playing mana rocks because every yeah. deck needs ramp, and if you're not in green, then you have to play mana rocks. So yeah, you're just always going to get three or four things from everybody. Well, yes, I will gain all that life, please. Yeah, yeah, thank you, and just shut you guys down. Yeah, especially because yep. you're able to, and again, we talk about this, You're you because you know what's going on on the board, and you have a card that affects that, you can play around your own card, which is always powerful in EDH. All right. All right, well, it's a good initial discussion about threat assessment. I mean, we're going to go too deep because we do want to talk about Graham's surprise deck. Yeah, and this is a topic <laughs> that we can definitely return to, and we could spend an entire episode just covering three of the threat assessment things that happen, or two, you know. It's it's very deep, and, like, the nice thing about having stories and your examples, Graham, is that there are so many things that Josh and I have just never seen happen before in games, so the more we play, the better we get at this sort of specific idea of threat assessment, but also just opens us up to more crazy options and things that I probably never would have expected that happen. I would say, though, you know, one thing we hear a lot is people getting really frustrated with the other players for not playing the way they want them to, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would just tone I would just tone that way down, folks. Yeah. <laughs> just tone that way, way down. Because part of actually maybe the thing that makes Commander so great is the unpredictability of social dynamics and how people react differently mm-hmm. than you're going to react. If everybody played the game like how you play, you probably wouldn't enjoy it very much. It's a lot better to be playing a game against a bunch of people who are making decisions that are totally different than how you would make the decisions. Yeah. Uh, that's what's really fun about gaming in general. So, Gotta love the wild card. Yeah, exactly. So, so just tone down that, tone down that frustration. That's, <laughs> that's what's causing a lot of the fun in the game. You don't really want to take that out. Yeah. Also, magic is an expression of your individuality when it comes to EDH because your deck really is, it's like a test. It's like a Freudian, I don't know. You can look at the cards in the deck and be like, I think I get a better understanding of who this person is based on these cards. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think you, yeah, in many ways so. you are sort of the decks you build and the way that you play the game. Yeah. Speaking of which, Graham, let's find out who you are. Yeah, who who are you, Graham, and who is this? what is this deck? But before we get to the deck tech, today's episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about Loot Crate. Uh, I am a personal huge fan because, one, I know almost all the guys that work at this company, and they've worked really closely with us on VGHS in the past, as well as my last Indiegogo for my musical comedy, Band-Aid. And essentially, it's a subscription box filled with cool gamer pop culture stuff, apparel, collectibles, T-shirts, all sorts of sort of exclusive things. And for less than $20 a month, you get six to eight of these items, and the months are always themed. It's a 
really cool way just to get sort of like a, I don't know, I call it like a, a monthly allowance for a present for yourself every single month. And right now, if you guys go to lootcrate.com slash command and enter in command as your code, just the word command, you get to save $3 on any new subscription. And it's always great because every single box has a lot of exclusive stuff in it as well. And Loot Crate always really takes care to make sure that each subscription box is super legit. They do not pull any punches here. They're really giving you if the full value of the box, sometimes a lot more too. So I can't highly recommend it enough. If you guys want to find out more about Loot Crate, just go to lootcrate.com slash command. You can find out all the stuff there. And uh, it's going to be a really good year for Loot Crate because if you guys didn't know, there's a movie called Star Wars coming out and there is some really cool stuff coming up in the Loot Crate as well. And the only way you can find out about it is if you go to the website right now, check out the box, find out, I mean, go online and go to YouTube, watch some people unboxing these things. You'll get to see that they are legit and they are filled with a lot of really cool stuff and you get your full value's worth. So definitely check it out, lootcrate.com slash command and enter the code COMMAND. You get to save $3 on any new subscription. And with that, let's get back to the deck tech. What is this surprise deck? Who's the commander? That's always the first surprise because I'm, I am I will say, oh yeah, I have this really cool tree folk deck that I enjoy. And people are like, oh yeah, Doran, right. And no, Doran, Doran's boring. Everybody does Doran. That's, <laughs> that's cool and all, but there's a lot of those. And this is a very, very... I was very about di- to build a Doran deck. <laughs> I know. This is a very different deck. This is a... I like how you pulled your punch there. To like, oh wait, I don't want to insult all the Doran players. I know, right? <laughs> Shout out to Vincent. I know you have a Doran deck. I'm going to build one. you're not that cool. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I, just pref- just I just really love the, f- the, the flavor and the tone of the uh, green and black tree folk from uh, Lorwyn and Shadowmoor. Ooh, Golgari. And so the commander is the sapling of Colfenor. And she's awesome. Uh, it's a she. It it is. According I remember to, the professor talked about. Oh, that's right. Uh, according it's in the flavor text. Yeah, according to that pronoun in the flavor text. That's that's all I'm going off of. It's uh so she's a two five legendary, of course, tree folk shaman for three and then two hybrid green black mana. Uh indestructible, which is really helpful. Oh yeah, yeah. indestructible really? generals are great. It's the best. I didn't realize initially. I was just like, oh, this seems sweet, and then it turns out <laughs> very, very good. And then this is the best ability. Whenever Sapling of Colfenor attacks, which you can always do because she's indestructible, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you gain life equal to its toughness, lose life equal to its power, and then put it into your hand. Oh, interesting. So it's so life gain and card draw? It yeah. does have a little bit of... Because uh, it's a tree folk, it's all about toughness here. I'm but... assuming you would never build the deck so that it had like a bunch of creatures with high power, low toughness. I mean, at the same time, though, it's not the worst because it is commander. And if you have a balance of the two, I guess... Well, we'll, we'll see what's going on. I mean, I have no deck. idea what creatures are in this deck. Yeah, so, exactly. But I'm assuming, based on that card, that you want big butts, right? Every <laughs> single card, every single creature is a tree folk. Ooh, this very is, nice. So this it's is, full tribal. This is the most like oppressively on message commander deck I've ever <laughs> I've ever made. And you'll see why when we get to the spells. But yeah, the creatures um actually in the list that's here I should update it because it still lists Oaknarl Warrior, who's totally boring. He's a five seven with vigilance and trample. He was replaced recently with the um uh Twin Grove, the Colonia Twin Grove from M fifteen. The one that oh yeah you, oh yes you, that's right it's power toughness equal to your forests and you get a you get two of them yep anyway so yeah everyone is a tree folk and there's only one of them that has an even power toughness every single other one is greater toughness than power so if I hit a creature I'm drawing a card and gaining 
at least one, probably two or three life. Turns which out, is, which is pretty great because you're doing that every turn. Yeah, it turns out the sapling just combos well with tree folk. <laughs> <laughs> turns out, yeah. I mean, that's why the Duran deck works too, is because of high toughness and the specific ability. Now, yeah. are there some standout creatures that you wanna you wanna talk about? Yeah, so you've got stuff like Bosk Banneret. It's a one three for one and a green, and it's uh, tree folk and shaman spells cost one less to play. So uh, um, you need one of these in every kind of these decks. Yeah, it's like the uh, dragon speaker. Yeah, and, and the, there's decks. one for giants. And uh, uh, yeah, there's yeah. Orchard Warden is a four six for four green green. Whenever another tree folk comes into play under your control, you may gain life equal to that creature's toughness. Oh boy, so you're definitely gaining a lot of life in this deck. Is oh, that yeah. one of the main themes? Um. Yeah, but not intentionally. It just sort of it, com- <laughs> it, it comes up because that's what tree folk want to do. It turns out, um, very green and on color of them. Yeah, there's um, uh, it's it's all about the number um, when you cast tree folk, how many tree folk you control, and how many forests you control are things that tree folk seem to care about. You look at the Dungrove Elder, power toughness equal to the number of forests you control. Seed Guide Ash. When it dies, you can search your library for three forests and put it into play. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, that's really good. Yes, very good. Especially if you have a that's way to amazing, recur that. Yeah. Uh, recur that, yeah. Thorntooth Witch is a tree folk that says whenever you play a tree folk spell, you can have target creature get plus three, minus three until end of turn. It's a free nameless inversion. Yeah. That's really cool. Dauntless Dower Bark. Power toughness equal to the number of forests you control plus the number of tree folk you control. <laughs> <laughs> just for the full combo is that often the biggest thing on the board then because it it just doubles up on it's, both of those? it's absolutely massive yeah um really cool creature heartwood storyteller one green green for a two three whenever a player plays a non-creature spell each of that player's opponents may draw a card Whoa. Oh, that's awesome! That's a that's commander really card. Really cool, actually. Yeah, that's that a great card. card. I haven't seen that card in play before, but that is great. It puts in work. <laughs> I yeah. bet. I that bet. And then it work. makes people not want to play non-creature spells, which is great. In a, I'm assuming there's a lot of creatures in this deck since uh, the sapling wants to rip a creature card off the top of the deck. What What do you have? Like about how many creatures are you running? Uh, thirty-five. Um, about a third. Yeah, about a third creatures, and some of them make. Like some of them make other creatures, they bring friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, like the uh, uh, Namata Grove Guardian makes friends. The Ambassador Oak comes with an elf. Uh, some of them come with Sapperling. Some of them come with Kithkin. Um, and then but they're I've, all tree folk specifically. So you every, won't see no, creek, you every, won't see no Creekwood Legion here. Yeah, exactly. Every creature actually. Yeah, it bums me out because there's stuff like uh, Conifer Strider. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Flavorfully, perfect. Not a tree folk. He's an elemental, right? It's like, he's oh, not, what? That's weird. He's made of a tree. I know. He's literally a, a conifer tree. is a tree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just a flavor fail. I know. Yeah. Um, Especially and, being from the Pacific Northwest, we're all like, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> Make it a tree folk. And then you look Please. at stuff like um, Fen Deep Summoner, which is a 3 5 for 4 and a black, because the, the black tree folk, it's just, it's so much a cooler flavor, I think, than the, than the, white, than the white tree folk. Um, you tap it up to two target swamps, each become 3 5 tree folk creatures until end of turn. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. So I get to animate my swamps. And I do, of course, have um, uh, just for. Nostalgia value, a beta copy of the Iron Root Tree Folk. I, I, I was going to say, you got to have the Iron Root. It's, That's the. It, it does nothing. It's just. It's just. But a it's tr- the first. It's the OG. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that art is absurd. <laughs> this is the this is the the new art we're looking really? at. The old oh, art is the old art is 
<laughs> not great, but it's it's beta. So what do you expect? Yeah. What's the <laughs> so, what's the new art? When when you say it, new, it's, it's like two. Oh yeah, tree-fold. those are weird. Yeah. No 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 no. no. You, want, you, <laughs> no, want you gotta go just, with the. It's just you gotta a, go with the original. Just a face on a tree, and a lot of them have protection yeah, too, from um, artifacts or do well for you if your opponent has artifacts, which is fun. You just have natural artifact hate already in the deck, which is great. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I oh think. yeah, now I see him. Yep, that's uh, that's the truth. That guy reminds me of that boss in Kirby that you have to spit apples back at. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about. So, what are so, some of the non-creature spells that you? Because you so don't have a lot is, of slots, right? Yeah. So this is this is where it gets interesting because uh, I really wanted to make this as flavorful as possible, and so I am running a lot of suboptimal removal. Uh, <laughs> just because it fits thematically. Um, oh, interesting. So there's, there's stuff that's good, like um, like for spells. There's uh, Reach of Branches, which, of course, is a tribal tree folk, so that counts as a tree folk. You just get a tree folk token into play, and whenever you play a forest, you get this back from your graveyard. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, Reach of Branches is nuts. It's an instant for four and a green. Um, and, of course, there's stuff like uh, Lignify, which is a tree folk aura which is a one and a green for an enchantment creature, and the, tree tr- and the creature becomes a zero for tree folk with no abilities. Ooh, it's removal. It is. It's kind of like Sa- Song of the Dryads. A little. It doesn't do any permanent, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty good removal for green. But then for my actual removal, I've got stuff like uh, Cankerous Thirst because the art on it is a tree folk just devouring an elf. <laughs> uh, and it's the one that it's a uh, three and a hybrid green black. If you spend black to play it, a creature gets minus three, minus three. If you spend green, a creature gets plus three, plus three. And if you spend both colors, then you get both effects. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, I mean, it's not normally a card you would play in yeah, Commander, but yeah. because there's a evil looking tree on it, then you're compelled to, right? Yeah, yeah it's definitely a tree folk. Um, I've got the Golgari Germination, which is whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you get a 1-1 one, one Sapperling. Which is just because the the trees are the trees are rotting and turning right. into things, uh, <laughs> rending vines. <laughs> it's, a, it's one green green destroy target artifact or enchantment. If it's converted mana cost is less than or equal to the number of cards in your hand and draw a card, it's not good. It's, what the heck? It's just it's it's an arcane spell from Kamigawa, but it's just because it's <laughs> it's a it's plants destroying and it's stuff. Got vines. Right? Yeah, it's vines. Wow. It's vines wrapping somebody up. I so guess, how or how something. did you find all these cards that uh, were specifically a, on flavor? I just did a lot of looking through Gatherer and stuff. That's why I've got like <laughs> Weed Strangle, which is a destroy creature effect for five that you also clash. Um, Root Grapple, to be fair, is really good. It's because it's it's actually a tree folk card. It's a four and a green tribal instant tree folk. Destroy target non creature permanent. If you control a tree folk, draw draw a card. That is actually amazing. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very very good. Non creature permanent. I mean, that's pretty big. You can get rid of the planeswalker with that thing. Yeah, and then um, there's some there's like murder and some stuff in here. I need to actually change some of these some of these spells out. Now, for, do you have any? Better. I mean, the of course. The spikier player would put some uh, like changeling type stuff in here. Do you do that, or are you just like no? Nope, no, these are either. these are all tree folk. These are all just OG like they say folk. they say tree folk on the card. Yeah, or I mean, else they have a tree in the in the art. Yeah, so <laughs> I should probably look into maybe some some changelings. No, but no, I don't know. no, don't do that. Don't <laughs> yeah, don't changeling, I, man. I'm a fan. Of I'm this, yeah. Keep is. doing what you're doing. This is pretty cool. And then uh, one of my favorite cards. Uh, it's actually 
really not that good of a card necessarily, but it's it's where I get the the namesake of the deck, which is the Dark Heart of the Wood. And it's the card. Oh, there's an old card I remember. Yeah, it's the card, Dark Heart of the Wood. It was reprinted in Ravnica, I think, but it was originally from uh, from the Dark. Yep. And it's yeah. an enchantment for a black and a green, and it's sacrifice a forest, you gain three life. So it's like, <laughs> it's it's not amazing. I'm probably not sacking that many forests unless I'm super super desperate. But it's just it's in there because the 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 whole deck is the dark heart of the wood. Yeah, that is Golgari at its essence. That's that's amazing. I mean, I'm sure you have used that ability, and people look at you and go, "God darn it!" <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Zuranorb is another card that's very similar to that, and mm-hmm. it's amazing how that effect like actually does some work. Yeah, it changes the calculation enough that it. I mean, how often would you be in a game? It's like, you could be dead, or you could have two less land. What do you want? Yeah, right. You know, so. In general, just the idea that you could be dead, slash, you could do anything else to save that. Yeah, exactly. totally do it. I'm going to play Heartwood Storyteller in more decks. This card, I keep thinking about it. This is amazing. Whenever it's, a player plays a non, any player plays a non-creature spell, everyone else draws a card. It's really <laughs> good. That should go in my uh, five-color Nekusar deck. Yeah, they should go in Animar as well. Yeah, that's a good card. It's, yeah, it's, it's super fun. And then, of course, for land, it's just a bunch of green-black land, overgrown tomb, woodland cemetery, grim backwoods, pine barrens, you know. You've got Svogthos, the restless tomb, though. <laughs> yeah, that, is have, on, that is flavorful right I there. I do have Svogthos, yes. And also uh, tainted wood and stuff like that. And, of course, uh, Dryad Arbor, even though technically not a tree folk, I mean, it's Dryad Arbor. It's, it's a Dryad Arbor, yeah, yeah, that's definitely. So technically you have 36 creatures in the deck. That's true, yeah. Because the arbor definitely counts as one. Well, and then also, if you're looking... I mean, if you count um, Reach of Branches as a card that makes a creature, and also right, uh, Hidden Ancients, which is uh, one and a green for an enchantment, and it just sits there. But then if, you're, if one of your opponents casts an enchantment, uh, then it just goes, I'm a 5-5 five, five tree folk now. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good value, and you're definitely going to trigger it almost every single game. Oh, for and sure. And no one's thinking about it either. And, like, and yeah, the, whatever. And the deck doesn't have a lot of low drop creatures, to be fair. That's, if, it, right. if it has a downside, it's that, which is that like, the curve sort of starts at four. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you got so many big butts. Yeah. Have you looked at the card uh, Gaia's Touch? Because I want, I want your ruling on if this is a tree folk or what the heck this is. I think I might have. I can't remember. I'm going to look it up right now, uh, except I'm going to spell it correctly. How is it spelled? G-A-E-A apostrophe S. Ah, uh, yes. Wow, this is an old card. Oh, yeah, this Gosh. one. Uh, so, yeah, it's an enchantment for green. I'm green. just saying. I'm just saying maybe. You may put a basic forest from your hand onto the battlefield, activate this ability anytime you can cast a sorcery and only once each turn. So you get to play an extra forest. Forest, yeah. yeah. And then sack it to add green green to your mana pool. This this might not be a bad idea, actually. This might help well, me. Well, you're saying uh, you don't have any low drops either, so. Uh, true. This this might help me ramp into my wall of four drops. I haven't even looked at the actual curve of this deck. I bet it's awful. <laughs> it's well, just very top heavy. I don't. Clearly. I don't know if this guy on the picture is a is a um, tree folk or not. He looks like he might be related to tree folk. Yeah, he's touching a tree. He's like their tree cousin. Folk, like uh, definitely, he's, might be tree kin. Worst case, elemental. Maybe some kind of dryad. Probably tree folk. <laughs> a little unclear. So, I mean, this is de- this deck is definitely enter the jungle, right? This is like <laughs> yeah. welcome to the jungle. I've got all my tree folk here and. What's the most amount of life you've ever um, had at the end of a, of a game with this deck? That's a great question. I can't remember, but it was certainly up there. It's uh, like it, the hundreds, two hundreds. No, I, I, 
Over 100, I think. Nice. That's pretty is, good. That is, yeah, pretty good. no small feat. Now, I do have a question. Yeah. What does your deck do against cards like Sagarda? Uh, or Flyers? <laughs> in oh, general? just Flyers in general? Uh, gain, gain more life than they can do damage, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, commander Sig- damage, though, is a little rough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Sigarda's uh, sweet. Sigarda, actually, sometimes I swap out as a general for uh, Reese, just if if I'm feeling if I'm feeling oh, like yeah. Sigarda. The deck, the deck is, Sigarda plus any deck in those <laughs> colors is good, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's it's amazing that you could do that, because Reese is a very specific type of deck. Yeah. But you could just be like, I'll just put Sigarda, it'll still be good. Like, that's how good she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, literal Sigarda is tricky because she has hexproof, but otherwise I do have like I'm also playing because I don't want to just die. I'm also playing like ultimate price and go for the throat and right and prey upon and stuff. But uh, flyers in general, I'm not gonna lie, it's not good. <laughs> it's not great. I you just, have life gain though, so as long as they're not the commander, you might be able to just go toe to toe with them and just be like, "Hey, right, you, you hit me for six, I'll hit you for fifteen or whatever." Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll swing in with all my trees. Uh, Do you have the new um, enchantment? The new enchantment assault formation. Assault formation. Do you have that in there? No, I haven't actually looked at this deck since um, even since uh, cons. I, I I need to go take a look and see if there's some stuff I can add. But uh, I wonder the, if there are any trees. It's probably cons. not on flavor because it's meant. I don't. I think it has like a dragon or something. It's on got a dragon in the wall, but on it, it does have to do with <laughs> toughness. It's and, pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Duran on the stick it would definitely be very good in the deck. I don't know flavor wise if it could be allowed or not. Yeah, yeah that's, well, that's a tough call for me. Obviously, <laughs> maybe yeah. not because you just don't have that many creatures with defenders specifically, and that's definitely more but of it a pumps Duran. toughness. Yeah, that's true. I don't and know. it makes their toughness their power when they're attacking. Basically, yeah, they deal like it has that Duran effect. The real yeah. question is if I play Orchard Warden. Uh, and then play Tree Folk. Can I pump in response to playing the Tree Folk before Orchard Warden checks the toughness of the creature for the life I'm about to gain? Hmm. So whenever hmm. another creature comes into play under Tree Folk creature, yeah, yeah, under your control, you may gain life equal to that creature's toughness. Can you? Are you asking if you can pump the new creature? If I can, if I can pump the new Tree Folk with Assault Formation in response to the Orchard Warden's trigger, so that I gain more life. Yes, I, this is not a good. To. This is not a good play. I'm. 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 Yeah, it's <laughs> well, three mana for one life. But well, what it is not, is it checks. Yeah. <laughs> it's the state based action of it checking as soon as it resolves the pump and it sits there. The creature is that, and then as long as Orchard Warden's trigger is on the bottom of the stack and gets resolved last, it will check it and be like, "Yo, you get some extra life, Graham. Congrats." Sweet. That sounds right to me. But please, people, check with the judge because no, we get in trouble for this stuff. It's right, Jimmy. Josh. Wait, <laughs> I know. Just leave us an out. Leave us an out. <laughs> Never. I'm Jimmy the red. <laughs> I'm all in or I'm all out. We've had we made many rules mistakes on this show. Um, I'm sure you know how that goes, Graham. Oh, Anytime yeah. that you're, yeah. we've never made one mistake. <laughs> Flawless record. We had to. We actually re-recorded an entire episode about a month or two ago because we we got so many little things so oh, wrong man. that we were like. This is embarrassing. We can't even have this episode out there. We got we got yeah. we, we got to redo this whole thing. We've had to like add retractions at the beginning of an episode. Like, hey, l- we're gonna say this a couple times in this episode, but it's not true. So yeah, yeah we've we had, had a disaster when Josh mentioned Worldfire as a card that we could play in EDH, and it's very clearly banned for good reasons. But we talk about it like four or five times in the episode, and just listening through and being like, "Don't say it! Don't say!" It. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we said it again. 
Uh, it was the like, worst part was we just did an episode about the entire band list. <laughs> yeah. Two episodes before. Yeah. So we had just literally talked about every band card, including Worldfire, and then, yeah, Pro- just spaced it. So. Probably my best Commander win was actually on a card that's now banned. It was uh, Trade Secrets. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, I was... Is it, was it banned when you played it as well? And Yeah, were you, you cheating? No, no, no. It, this was before the... This was very soon after those first commander decks were were released so it was before trade secrets oh so it wasn't banned yet and and here's the thing i wasn't playing the trade secrets i was playing this uh super um super silly deck that i called the janky ballard deck um and it was jaya ballard was the like jaya ballard yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. is the commander and it was all based around red discarding stuff like it was it was again on flavor but not actually as functional as the tree folk deck um and another player at the table cast uh, uh, another player at the table cast trade secrets, which is the one blue blue sorcery. Target mm-hmm. opponent draws two cards, and you draw up to four cards. That opponent may repeat this process. So it was up to you when he so, chose you. Yeah, right? one of the player, one of the other players played it. She picked me, and I was like, "Okay, I'll draw two cards." And I'm playing this red deck, and I'm completely out of gas, and I've got no <laughs> hope of winning. And then she's like, "Cool, I draw two cards," and I'm like, "Um." I get to do this again if I want? She says yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So I just kept drawing pairs of cards until I had like, I'd drawn like 30 cards or something ridiculous. Yep. And I Why was the like, card is banned, by I was the like way. okay, I'm, I'm done now. And then when the turn got back to me, I uh, was able to burn one opponent out. And then I cast Conflagrate, which is, XX red um, to uh, fireball someone. I was mm-hmm. like, XX mm-hmm. red, dome you out. Flashback conflagrate for red, red, discard X oh, cards. Oh, right. So you can flash it back for your whole hand. <laughs> and you're like, yep, I got 28 cards. I killed, so. I, I killed three players that turn and won the game. <laughs> That's How awesome. did it feel to be the champion? It truly on top. <laughs> it felt great because it was the dumbest way I've ever won a game of Commander. Conflagrate is pretty nuts because it steals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or players. So yeah. you could just do it for two and do one to every single thing and person, mm-hmm. yep. which is insane. Because mm-hmm. usually you have to pay extra for that cost. Well, yeah. you do. You have to pay X twice. Right, yeah. right. It is, but like, it is but when you just happen to have drawn like 40 cards, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. So there's 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 my commander tales. All right. We all have good commander tales. That's uh, hopefully next time we all hang out, we can definitely play together because I had a blast getting to play with so many new people in Vegas. And uh, did you come to the gathering or were you not in town yet? The may not have been in town. I don't think he was at our party. No. Yeah. It sounds like it was a fun time though. Yeah, we missed we missed having you guys there. Yeah, that'd been fun. That would have been sweet. We could have maybe got some conspiracy or some EDH games in. That would have been fun. Yeah, Yeah, we'll have to hook that up. Have you guys? Maybe next time I'm up visiting my sister in Canada. Conspiracy is probably one of our favorite draft formats. Agreed. Ours as well. We went through. I don't know over two cases. Yeah, just ourselves. We've drafted the heck out of it. It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, we love that format. Yeah, <laughs> we love we love that format. We we cheated a little. We started mixing it in with whatever the current set was, so we'd have like two packs of conspiracy and two packs of cons, maybe. Yeah, just to like mix it up a little bit, but it always works out really well, which is awesome. 
the cards just, I mean, the way they design it just works super fun. And sometimes you can just string together conspiracies and cr- break the game based on a new oh, it set. It feels so much with. like EDH. That's that's the great thing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's limited commander. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. That's why we love it. All right. Time for the end step. End step. So we're moving on to talk about something cool outside the world of magic. But what could that be? Graham, do you have anything for us? Anything is, cool? Did you? Is there any like cool thing that you've come across recently in the world? I started watching. You want to tell? Yeah, I started watching NXT recently. It was really good. NXT. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys are into professional wrestling at all. Oh, it's WWE. Okay, well, we were yes. just talking about cage matches. Yeah, yeah. I know a decent amount now because I have a couple of really good friends, Benji and Des Dolly, that are really into wrestling, and they taught me the world of it. And also, Benji is really good at shot calling. So he'll watch a night of um, like any one of the nights and be like, by the end of this episode, and he calls them episodes sometimes, like this person's going to do this and that, and, yeah. and it happens. You're like, oh, amazing. I do a lot of that myself. It's it's super how, fun to see how the storylines develop. How do you get into NXT? Like, so here's if you're the, not a- so here's the thing. It NXT started as just like the developmental territory basically for to move them into the big f- leagues for raw yeah it's like to train people like it's actually run out of full sale university and everyone there it, like Whoa. it's they're training people in production and camera operating and they're also training the wrestlers um oh, but interesting. but basically triple h who's now in a corporate role in at wwe sort of also secretly turned it into his own wrestling promotion that Vince McMahon doesn't have control over, basically. I mean, obviously, he ultimately does, but it he sort of... It's like a... I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of a backdoor pilot uh-huh. on, on a TV series, but he basically did that with NXT, and it's really good and a lot more entertaining than the main roster. The only problem I have is that the only place to watch it is on the WWE Network, which we, <laughs> which we can't really get in Canada because it is tied to cable companies, and it is stupid and dumb. Oh. I, and yeah. it is stupid and dumb, as are most cable companies. But thanks things. to the wonders of the internet, I'm sure you found a way. We're not, we're not going to talk about how I'm watching this. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I call you every weekend, and I tell you what happened on the show. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really good wrestling. It's fun stuff. That Very is cool. cool. And yeah. it's also, I think, it's a little more raw, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, I mean, not to use the word, because Joke. that's what they're trying to get to, yeah. But, it, I mean, these are they're all trying to prove themselves, so it kind of has that same... There's a lot of reality like fighting shows mm-hmm. yeah, that, that yeah, have exactly. a similar concept. In before... So that's cool. Yes. Uh, in before comments that wrestling is fake. Oh, yeah, of yes, course. Guys, I know. We, know this. we know this. Yes. That's why I watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, all the Marvel movies are fake. What? What? Yeah. But Iron I, Man. But they're still entertaining. No, I don't but, know. Now that I know, <laughs> but Iron I thought Man. Iron Man was real. No. Oh man! Let Look, me tell every you, kid I have had more entertaining Man. conversations with people who check me in at hotels since the Avengers movies, um, because my last name is Stark. Oh wow! I would have thought uh, Game of Thrones would have done it. Yeah, mm, more more mainstream people are aware of the Avengers than they are. Yeah, of, that's that's, of a Game of yeah. that's a good point. I got are into like, a discussion with someone once. They're like, "Hey, all right, like Tony," and I'm like, "Yeah," or Edard, and they're like, "Well," and I'm like, "What? <laughs> what's wrong with what's wrong with what's wrong with Edard?" And they're like, "Well, you know, Tony Stark's a billionaire." I'm like, "Edard Stark was the king of the North." <laughs> and they're like, he well, did he, get he, his yeah. head chopped off, though. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah they're like, well, he didn't he didn't really live through season one, and I'm like, that's cold. That's cold. That is cold. And well, that doesn't cold make him cold any in the less cool of a person either. Cold in the north. I would like a non-smoking room, please. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, Tony's been to space. 
Has Eddard been to space? Fine. Every Stark is cooler than me. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, Graham, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. We'll have to have you back sometime, um, especially if you have another awesome deck like this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on something equally stupid, but I don't think it'll actually be as playable. <laughs> playable, playable, schmayable, man. Yeah. yeah. Josh made a deck with 33 or whatever, Shadowborn Apostles, so you can play anything. If you <laughs> hey, that deck is good. It. You kicked it, my butt with it. It is good. Yeah. And I was amazed because it survived like three board wipes. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> but I managed to come back each time. So Nice. All right, you can find uh, Graham's Twitter is at or is Graham underscore LRR, and you can go to loadingreadyrun.com. And you can and you can also find uh, Loading Ready Run YouTube slash Loading Ready Run. And you can find them on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Loading Ready Run. You guys do so much content. Um, it blows my mind how much you guys can actually get done. And you guys are a huge part of the community too, which is great because I, I think it's awesome to have people that uh, represent numerous different games and just sort of the, the nerddom in general. Because, mm-hmm. you know, our friend like Revan Fuego does a great job of it on BJJ's Geek mm-hmm. Nation. They just sort of talk about the breadth of stuff, which is awesome. So... Yeah. Big ups to you guys. Well, sweet. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was super fun talking about my, my dumb deck. I'd, I would love to come back at some point. I'd love to play right. at some point. Yeah, we need to play. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. But also, yeah, also, yes, come back on. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, shout out to our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Definitely check them out there on rocketjump.com right next to us. Uh, you can follow them at The MM Cast. Our editor is Eli Cuevas. A special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer who is at Living Cards MTG. Um, he does a lot of the animation for our videos, so go check us out on YouTube if you, YouTube if you want to see that. Yeah, that's right. Subscribe to us on the YouTube channels. We are not as, uh, uh, I don't know, we don't proliferate as much as the uh, Living Ready Run boys and girls, but we do have our videos up every week, so you can watch a video version of our podcast and, you know, not do your work at work. You can do your work, and it can still be on the screen. Yes. And actually, you just play all of them in a row and then leave your computer on overnight and just go through the whole playlist. So, can oh, wow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.